Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me for an interview with Kelly Stephen Ways, who serves as the Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Here Technologies, a location, data, and technology platform that moves people, businesses, and cities forward by harnessing the power of location. Kelly has more than 25 years of executive management and consulting experience in human resources, change management, and corporate communications. She is also the founder of a cloud-based SaaS talent mobility solution called Hitch that uses machine learning and AI to match project-based opportunities to internal employee skill profiles. And Kelly has a new book out with Edie Goldberg called The Inside Gig, How Shaping Untapped Talent Across Boundaries Unleashes Organizational Capability. Kelly, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Yes, thank you. It's great to be here, Andy. Yeah, really great to have you on. And uh, of course, we are also recording this live on LinkedIn, which is where you and I connected. And luckily, right. we're able to the power work of together. LinkedIn. The yeah. power of LinkedIn. And I, I'm excited to dive in. Before we do, I want to get to know you a little bit better. And what you have a lot going on, you know, to be CHRO of a major firm, a major company, a founder of another company, to write a book. And what I didn't mention in the bio, you have four kids as well. Uh, how do you yes. do all this? Well, I have a great support team, but I think, you know, somebody recently asked me this question. So I thought very deeply about it. And I really think it's about how I lead and how I have found capacity and that leadership style, certainly coming from the belief system that if you give people the opportunity for mastery, autonomy, and purpose, you build more capacity for yourself. So, leveraging both the microscope and the telescope at the right times, you know, being able to inspect but not micromanage people is really important. And that starts with hiring really fantastic people and knowing how to use your time really wisely. I think I've been fortunate, I'm really fortunate to have great people that I work with. Having a husband who has been a stay-at-home dad for the last almost 15 years. So I have to be honest about that. I don't have a superhero cape. 
And I also had a great co-author who, you know, who kept, uh, kept cracking the whip on this is due tomorrow and keeping me on deadline. So I think it is about the people you put around you for sure. Uh, no doubt. You know, I do a lot of stuff as well, hosting two podcasts, running a business and, you know, father of two and try to hit the gym every day, that sort of stuff. And people often ask, you know, how do you get all this stuff done? I think number one is time management. And number two is when you can delegate or have your team help with things that you shouldn't be doing, do more of that. And I've been trying to get better at that as well and helping other people do the same. Absolutely. I think if the, you know, the secret sauce there, and it has a lot to do with what Hitch is all about and, and telemobility is that people are most engaged and productive when they're doing something that they love and they're mm. passionate about. So if you can give people, first of all, being a good talent architect is important. Understanding um, how to direct people by asking those questions about what they're really good about, what they're good at and what they love to do is a huge part of that. I think it's a it's a miss today in corporate America. People get stuck in jobs. I don't think we're asking them enough or giving them insights enough to about what they're good at so they can make the best choices for themselves in places where they can be the most productive. And if I look back on my career, the times that I did did the best or that I achieved the most, there was sort of this certain criteria in place. Number one, I had a leader who gave me a lot of autonomy to color outside the lines. So I had a lot of autonomy. I had purpose, right? I had something that I really cared about, that I saw myself in, that I could be successful at. And I had the environment to do well at that. So I I could master whatever I was doing. And I have always followed that in my career. Whatever I was passionate about is what I leaned into. And that's why I ended up in a jungle gym career like I've had. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, have you ever uh, read The Joy of Genius by Gay Hendricks, Dr. Gay Hendricks? You read any of I have book? not read that book. Okay. Um, I, I think the book that I'm reading right now and I haven't finished is Range by Dave Epstein, mm. um, which is really, really fascinating. Of course, I've, anything I can get my hands on about the future of work, skills, careers, a leadership, I read a lot of that and I'm on planes enough to, to have the time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, we are going to get into that, um, this idea of the future of the work and the concept behind the book. Um, before we do, I'd love to just take a step back and hear a little bit more about your background, You know what you've done in your career and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time in theater and drama, which people go, well, how's that related? And I realized early on that I had a talent for public speaking, right? And a lot of that was the training. I was a dancer when I was younger. So getting in front of an audience, I wasn't afraid of. I also was a good writer. So I ended up studying journalism and an undergraduate. And then when I got out, there was a recession. So there was 1991, when I got out of college, there were no jobs, right? Everyone would interview you and say, it's so great, you're, you're so great, but we don't have any, any openings. So I really had uh, to take a step back and figure out, you know, take some deep analysis on what I love to do. And, and I jumped into retail that time. And honestly, when I look back on my career, it taught me so much to have to run a retail store. If you think about inventory management, customer oh, yeah. service, you know, managing the employees, the customers, the inventory, you know, hitting the targets and inspiring everybody to do so. 
it really set me up for an understanding of the core operations of a business at very young age. And, and then I got the exposure into training and development. And I took a lot of initiative to rewrite a lot of the training, which got me into instructional design and standing up in front and training people. And then that landed in org development because I wanted to diagnose organizations. So I went to graduate school at USF and got that MSOD degree and then started doing consulting. And consulting is wonderful because you get exposure to a lot of different industries and companies and a client inevitably sucks you in to work for them. And, you know, that was a, a kind of a common theme is when you have so many interests, consulting was ideal because you learned so much along the way. And I always took the job that scared me to death where I said, you know, I'm going to be really talking my way into this job. Can I really do it? I don't know. And those are the moments, the junctures where I had the biggest learning. And you guys might recall a book called Leadership Pipeline by Ram Sharam, which was, you know, back in the 90s, he wrote that book. But he talked about that critical junctures when you're moving from manager to director or you're taking a big leap, you know, the big leap into something new. And that's where the learning happens the most. So that was kind of a something that I lean into for, for I leaned into for the rest of my career. Whenever I was scared of something, I went for it. Whenever it was the project that nobody wanted, you know, at Siebel Systems, it was running the 10th anniversary party for the whole company, customers, partners, hmm. former alumni employees, and nobody wanted that job. And I was only a director and I raised my hand. And high risk, but high reward opportunities throughout my career. So non-traditional path for sure. And I think I was born in the wrong era because, you know, I think I'm like, cut me open. I'm, I'm a millennial. But I also think that there's a lot of Gen Xers that feel stuck in their career and like they can't move. And I encourage them to reimagine themselves. I love that. So reinvent themselves, reimagine themselves. You also talked about jumping in and accepting those difficult tasks or or projects, getting out of your comfort zone to really grow and learn new things. And it sounds like that's one of the big keys for how you were able to rise so quickly to get these senior roles as well as founding companies that you find these opportunities and you you don't run away, you run right towards them. Exactly. You know, I call them catapult moments because they catapult your career and you have to be willing to make things happen. I think oftentimes when we when we start to have that feeling of being stuck, we go into this victim mentality that, well, I'm not the master of my own destiny. I, I'm just going to have to accept my fate and whatever it is in the organization. And I think we need to rewire our thinking, especially in the future of work, because the people that have great self-awareness do the, the inventory of what they love, where their skills are have a real sense of their strengths and areas of opportunity and lean into those strengths. The people that are willing to learn, unlearn, and relearn as a a muscle to just keep working on that, those are the people that will succeed. The people that actually have a growth mindset for themselves. And if you can think about an organization filled with individuals that have the DNA that believe in the growth mindset for themselves, the organization has the growth mindset by default because no longer is it the company will take care of me. It has to be 
each individual person setting out, you don't have to know your end game per se. I mean, gosh knows in your 20s, I couldn't even have scripted the rest of my career if I look back. There's not always a linear path. So it is, you know, look at the opportunities in front of you, have a, a personal, what I call a personal directors, people around you that outside your existing organization that you can go to and vet your own strengths and opportunities um, that keep you honest, and then take those catapult moments and make it happen for yourself. Uh, I love it. The catapult moments, jumping into difficult things, um, having great support around you. You mentioned uh, growth mindset like three or four times, and I love how that's kind of in our almost normal lexicon right now. But for anybody who's not uh, familiar with that, that's, of course, from the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, the Stanford professor, uh, which is a phenomenal book, one that really changed my life and has had a big impact on a lot of people. Uh, But this idea of a growth mindset being that, you know, nothing is static, you can always learn new things. And there really is no failure, only only learning, right? Yeah, people, you know, just to, to take that for a moment, people had said to me, you know, you've achieved such great things as a CHRO. It took you a while to get there. That's got to be pretty comfortable now. So why would you take a risk to, you know, begin as a startup kind of leader? Why would you go for that at this point in your career? It seems kind of risky. And I think it's because that growth mindset is a core value, is a belief system that I trust that I will dig deep into not only the capabilities that I have or bring to the table, but what I can architect through other people. And it is, you're not alone, right? You don't build a startup by yourself. Yeah. You build a startup because you, you have the, maybe the knack about picking the right people at the right time by recognizing the DNA that's going to be right for your company. And it's no different than when you're, a director level person and you're building a team or a VP the first time, or even rising to an executive officer, your role is to be a great talent architect. And today and in the future of work, we're going to see more of that, you know, being a great talent architect is also accepting that, you know, you're going to have people that are that are outsourced, people that are inside your company that you need to ensure are in the right jobs and and excited and motivated to learn and grow. So that's really what the growth mindset is. It's recognizing that you can build so much more through the power of the people that you put around you. And I think organizations today miss because they do not know who they have and they're not asking the questions what is the work that you love to do the most? And then finding a way to put them in the roles where they have the broadest contribution. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I think the best companies out there are looking at that, but most companies are not. I know I've left jobs in the past because I was not utilizing my strengths or my skills or doing anything I, I really like to do. And nobody took the time to figure out what my strengths were and how I might be able to add value to the organization. I know that's happening all the time everywhere out there. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is brought to you by Advantage Performance Group. We help organizations develop great people. For more information about this podcast and Advantage Performance, you can go to advantageperformance.com slash hot seat. And now on to the show. 
So you mentioned startup earlier and you've got one of your own. So tell me about the the startup you have, Hitch. How did that come about and, and what do you do there? So one of the when I was in my former job, so I was the CHRO for Extreme Networks, and I had for, great fortune to be a part of a group called Create with a with an HR Create uh, in the spelling, and that was a group of, of very progressive CHROs and senior HR leaders who wanted to disrupt the HR function, and so we spent a lot of time. That's what I mean about putting great minds around you, and. And connecting the dots is those people had some fantastic ideas about how to disrupt HR as a discipline and certainly how we could do the work that we do in our profession differently, how organizations could be run as we build towards the future of work. And one of the things I recognized was that as learning needed to be more dynamic and on the job, as people were kind of stuck and not being leveraged, as business models were being disrupted, that we need to be a lot more agile with our talent, that we needed to know who we had and best leverage them. And if you use the analogy, and people hear me say this a lot about the talent supply chain, using supply chain as, as kind of an example, talent assets are like capital assets in the future. They're just as important. So in capital assets, you're, you're looking at your inventory. And if you let that inventory drop below the demand, you can't get your revenue potential. And much like, like that, if we look at talent assets, if we let the inventory of critical skills drop below demand, we can't execute strategy. So I actually went off and whiteboarded this idea. If, if I could build something from the ground up, that would allow for dynamic learning on the job, that would move people around, enable movement at scale, allow for visibility to skills, which I believed were the basis to assign people to work instead of looking at everything like jobs in the future, wouldn't that be fantastic? So I went on a search to find it, couldn't find anything like that. None of the HCM systems were thinking that way. And so I said, well, I'm just going to build it. I'm going to find a way to build this myself. And I ended up at Here Technology shortly thereafter. I had the great fortune to meet Edzard Overbeek, my CEO of Here Technologies, who totally got it and gave me the opportunity, talk about autonomy, go build that into a proof of concept and come back to me. So it was intrapreneurial opportunity, you know, ring fenced a certain amount of money, go find a core team. And we did that. We built a proof of concept. We delivered that in in the beginning of 2017, then rolled it to the enterprise in June. After a couple of years of running that on the inside and talking externally about its success, we ended up uh, commercializing that product. And that's how Hitch came about. So a dream situation, of course, for anyone is to have the autonomy to build something that has value. And now not only do we use Hitch Adhere Technology is a core part of our agile and digital transformation, but we now have it in six other companies and a slew of others coming. So it's very exciting. It's very fulfilling for me. It's, it's like my life's work and my professional legacy. It's deeply meaningful to me. Oh, that's cool. It's so great that you can work for a company that completely supports that and allows you to to go build that both with time and uh, investments or funds, whatever it may be, resources to get it done. And now you're seeing how it, you're able to put it out into the world, which is just such a beautiful thing. 
So the core of it is it's helping companies match skills, uh, people with jobs or projects within companies to leverage their strengths? Absolutely. So the, the core of the platform is that um, if you believe that skills, everything is about skills in the future, a lot of our systems don't expose skills. They don't expose the skills you have and they don't expose your aspirations. So having that type of information and an internal ecosystem, being able to have that kind of visibility to that supply chain gives you a lot of ability to move talent around, democratize the process, give them choices, use the the AI machine learning to do the matching, right? So you're not you, you're not human glue to do matching. You're leveraging the technology we have today. And you can actually not only get real work done that you have to get done, but you have people having choice in the work they're doing, broadening their contribution, raising levels of productivity, raising levels of engagement, giving a great employee experience. So you're you're actually ticking all of these boxes at one time. And if there was anything that was a win-win for both the company and the employee, it would be Hitch. It's a completely transparent platform. So there's no Oz behind the curtain, crunching data on you, watching everything you do. It's really beneficial to the individual who really needs to own their career. And if you open up that marketplace and give people choice, the work product you get is exponentially better and much higher. I love that. And uh, I want to talk more about this concept. And of course, you said you're using this uh, at uh, Here Technologies, where you're working now as CHRO. And so we talked a little bit about matching talent to projects, jobs, whatever it is. Uh, from a talent development perspective, can you describe kind of the landscape? What's been your big success or initiative? Or you know, what is the approach to um, developing talent, developing leaders at Here Technologies? The best part about it is that people have choice and what, when and where they're developed, right? That's probably the, the biggest success we have is that we unearth not only the skills of our workforce, but the aspirations. So in our marketplace, we have a, a way for apprentices to be able to... So if you think about the drafting behind an expert so that you can learn, I mean, this is something that goes way back in time, right? We, as people were learning trades. What we're doing is the platform can reach out to you based on knowing your aspirational skills and direct you to opportunities, both project-based and maybe even full-time, at a level where you can be an apprentice. And so that's dynamic learning, right? That's learning on the job. That's also, if you embed it in your core values, if you think about here's core values, which is be bold, learn fast, win together, just to name a few, give back. We embed that in that core value system of the company, right? So that's the the give back that we have. And then on the mentorship side, creating communities around skill domains that are most important to the company. And this is still in our roadmap and about to come, but allowing apprentices and experts to find community. That builds your supply of critical skills without you, without HR intervention, right? It's it's just allowing people to build community, to share information, to run hackathons and events. And even in our profiles, we have the ability to push content around your aspirational skills so that it, it's putting people as masters of their own destiny, 
right? And I think that's what what everyone wants. And if we have the tools and technology to do it, uh, like we do, we're providing that. So that's kind of been a core part of our development strategy. I, I love that the idea of creating community and the the mentorship and apprenticeship, even without HR intervention, like you said, bringing people together. Like many people in the entrepreneurship community and other, they find each other outside. But oftentimes, you know, companies don't create a way to put that together. From a development perspective, do you have leadership development programs or other type of talent development programs to help your workers improve their skills and and get better as leaders or or anything else? Absolutely. We have, you know, training, of course, that that we we can do in classrooms, um, coursework that you can find on your own, both online, et cetera. But I think the most valuable, and this is a core belief and why Hitch exists, is that most learning that is valuable is experiential. It's on the job. It's learned from other colleagues. It's learned by doing. And so the most powerful way that we can learn at speed is creating a learning organization that's gratuitous by nature, right? So you're learning from other colleagues and it's just a a giving flywheel. It just happens without a lot of over-architecting, you know? And I used to be in L&D and training 15 years ago, and we would go off and create these beautiful manuals, perfect specimens that we would then roll out on a big corporate rollout. And then not only did we realize when we rolled it out, oh, it's not really not really what the business needs or the individual needs. It's it's kind of to a huge group of people. So it's not personalized or customized in any way, shape, or form. And we waited for everything to be perfect. So if organizations desire is to be more digital or agile, this is an agile way of creating a learning organization. And it's more customized to the individual their desires, their aspirations, and the path that's right for them. Because, you know, the path to CHRO, for example, could look totally different from one individual to another. And and I would say sometimes the best CHROs are the ones that came from the most non-traditional path anyways. Sure. So, like consulting or theater or uh, or anything else, right? Exactly, right? Um, so I could have been in musical theater and now look, right? My mother, unfortunately, is not here anymore. I know that when I went home from school at the semester and said, I've dropped musical theater and I'm going to go into business. And I, of course, didn't end up in business anyways at undergrad. (laughs) I changed my mind again. But it's so funny how disappointed she was. And I, I think the glory of it all is if college undergraduate could really allow students an opportunity to learn a lot of different things as opposed to having yeah. to declare. I know right. I declare to- this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I mean, how can you know that? At, you know, I have right. a 19-year-old who's at Northeastern who's a double yeah. major in business and econ. And I think we talk about majors about every two weeks. He's like, well, mom, I really like marketing. I'm in this marketing class and it's really in- inspirational. And it's, I go, you know what it is, is you love the teacher, that you love the the person who's teaching you and now you're getting connected to the content. So allow yourself the room 
to explore and discover and figure out. And that's the lovely thing about allowing a marketplace to exist of project-based work is you're allowing your employees to direct themselves to learn and explore and hopefully discover the strengths that they can lean into. Right. Because at 19 or even sometimes 25 or 35, we don't really know what we want to do. And there's still so many things we can do and so much time, right? People are living longer, working longer. And I agree. It's it's weird and challenging that people need to declare that major in college and interesting that you're having that conversation with your son every two weeks. My son is uh, three years old and we talk about garbage trucks every day. <laughs> so it's a little bit hey. different. It's about inspiration and imagination at that age. So um, I think just on that note, not to get on a soapbox, but you know, the most important thing that that I think we can do for kids is not lose that imagination. You don't even want to lose it when you're an adult because exploration is is a really big part of career development. And, you know, as as all of us struggle with young people and the time they're on digital devices and not learning to the art of conversation or spending time building that, that, that muscle around imagination, we're going to lose a skill set in the future around creativity, around human connection. And so I think it's really important to check ourselves on how much time we spend in the cave on a device, right? Versus exploring and building imagination. So keep your son playing with trucks is my point. He does. And we are cautious with that. And he does watch some videos and usually they're all videos of trucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's consistent in what he loves. Yeah, pretty much. But I, I agree with you. And I think that that imagination is so important. And for all of us, and if I could go back to you know what you said about musical theater and everything, if I could take a liberty about your mom. She probably just wanted you to do something that you loved. And it seems like you've ended up in a place where you are very passionate about what you do, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And just, you know, a little more personal story about my mom is that my mom was one of the first women to go into the LAPD at 45 years old. So they lifted the age ban and she went into the police academy. Wow. It was a lifelong dream to be a police, actually wanted to be a detective. Huh. And she was an accountant. So she reimagined herself. And there's, of course, a dedication to her and the story in my book. But she she reimagined herself in a big way at a time when nobody thought she could do it. Yeah. And she won the award for her class for Most Inspirational Cadet. Unfortunately, my mom's life was cut short in the line of duty shortly after she got out there. And really, I think the message that that I learned at a very young age, because I was 24. So I was in that period of what do I do with my life? And all of a sudden, my feet are on the ground, and I have to be an adult, right? I have to Mm. put into motion everything I'd learned to that point. And as I internalized some of the accomplishments that my mother had, and that fire that burns in me today is Everyone can reimagine their, themselves, no matter how old they are, no matter what they did in the past. And I think organizations need to take inventory that every single human being that they are lucky to employ in their organization has a whole story behind them that they may not know. Many, many 
life experiences and capabilities that if they choose to put those in play, if they really are inspired to do that work, maybe they have it in the background, but you don't know who you have. And if you could actually open that up and leverage the whole story of an individual, wow, I mean, our GDP in this country would go up significantly if we mm. did that. Yeah, so many people and their skills underutilized uh, in this country and the world. Um, if we could do more to utilize that, the, the productivity, the economy, the GDP, like you said, would go up. And I want to get more into this concept. You mentioned your book, uh, of course, called The Inside Gig, How Sharing Untapped Talent Across Boundaries Unleashes Organizational Capability, really helping companies unlock these hidden skills. So tell me more about how this book came about and what are the, the big takeaways? You know, I w- was fortunate to meet Edie Goldberg uh, as a part of Create and uh, the Future of Work Circuit. And we were talking about the fact that it, certainly, you know, I was building a technology and we'd done some research together and we realized that we had a message around a new talent operating model. She had spent years in L&D and career development and I'd been sort of applying a lot of it as a practitioner. And so we said, we got to write down our strategy and our ideas around how this could be done differently. And we really wanted to start a movement. That's where it began. And we wrote a white paper together. And then we're like, ah, this isn't good enough. We got to get the message out in a broader fashion. And we kept reading future of work books that, that were almost like, it's scary. The future of work is coming and you better be prepared. But nobody was saying, well, what do I do about it? How can I dip my toe in the future of work and prepare myself? And how do we get the HR community sort of fired up to disrupt themselves? Because it is scary. It's like I learned how to do comp and performance management, succession planning a certain way. And we're going to ask you to to kind of do it a little differently and, and change is yeah. hard. But let's let's put a playback out there for companies on how to talent optimize and how to think about things differently. And of course, we we both knew a lot about business and our subject matter, and so we combined that. So we we introduce a new talent operating model, a new way of working around six principles. We have case studies in there. Certainly, here is a part of that case study, but many others who have tried and failed or who have gone first and actually succeeded and how they've succeeded and why they succeeded. So it's a pretty great read for anyone that wants to actually do something about the future of work. Yeah. I mean, the future of work is coming, I guess you could say, whether you want want it to or not, and it's always going to be coming. And this is a subject that I, I love talking to people about as well. You know, I heard something a long time ago, I repeat often, which is, the rate of change is faster than it's ever been before, and yet it's slower than it's ever going to be, right? It's only going to keep changing faster and faster. And those who embrace it or are ready to try new things, like we've talked about, uh, are more likely to succeed in the future. And it sounds like you are a big advocate or a believer in that the idea that we're moving towards something akin to a, a gig economy, right? Where people are doing more project-based work than staying in one role for a long period of time. How can companies, especially if maybe they don't have the resources or technology, uh, because I know you talk about AI and machine learning, take advantage of this and, and do a better job of leveraging their people's skills for these gigs versus just sticking with traditional roles? 
Well, I think the core premise, um, if you think about over the last like five or six years, everyone's been talking about the gig economy on the outside. And that is a fantastic strategy, but not in its own right. What we got away from is the fact that we're all sitting on some gold, but we don't know how to mine it and we don't know where it is and we don't know how to deploy it the right way. So the idea around the book is that you can flip that model about the gig on the outside and everything. Why do people go to the gig on the outside? It's because they're looking for mastery, autonomy, and purpose, and they think they have to go out to get it. And the barriers to entry are low. I can get business cards printed. I can pull up a website, and I could probably do that in a week. But what they're missing when they go to the outside is the tribe. So the things about an organization that make an organization so powerful is culture and tribe and community, right, and connection. So what we said is if companies could adopt this principle of why people go to the outside by taking that concept to the inside, using technology to open up a marketplace, to give visibility to your skills supply chain, and help people get what they were looking for on the outside, but have the benefit of being in a tribe, then wouldn't that be the best of both worlds? Win for the company, they're not turning people over, and win for the individual. And last point is, if you're talking about data science as a skill domain or artificial intelligence or machine learning, predictive analytics, these skills are in high demand and low supply. So if you have a great brand like Apple or Google or Facebook and and drawing talent to you is no problem, fine. But there's so many other companies that need that talent too. And so if we could build, if we could have a strategy to build our own, because you mentioned these things have, you know, shelf life of skills, technology obsolescence. I mean, this right jobs are changing, going away. You have a strategy to build your own. Uh, that yeah. is is a winning solution. Right. And you don't necessarily have to go outside and your employees don't need to go outside. And, and you're right. Early on, we'd hear so much about the gig economy. It's about everybody was going off to be an independent consultant or something and bouncing around. But there are plenty of big companies with tons of great skill within um, that they can leverage. I love being an independent consultant and kind of doing my own thing. But most people want the security of working for a company, having the salary, um, whatever it may be. But they also may want to try different things. They want to make sure that they're really leveraging their skills, that they're growing, that they get a chance to really disrupt themselves and and move around and have different jobs and different careers because that's the way the world works now. That's the way, you know, not to generalize, but, you know, millennials, Gen Z, right? You see the younger generation, they're moving around more. Can they still have those multiple jobs and careers within one company versus having to go out and and work in different companies. Yeah, exactly. Because the number one reason why people come back from the gig economy on the outside is they don't want to do business development, right? Right. Or the insecurity around that. So if we can actually give the best of what you would get on the outside on the inside, and I think we, we got away from ourselves thinking that on both sides, I think inside a company, we thought the best thing we can do is just outsource talent and get it from the outside. And that has its place. Don't get me wrong, right? There are times when you need on-demand talent, but look on the inside first. You likely have someone, I can't tell you how many stories we have it here, 
where we would have gone to the outside for that contractor. And by putting that talent, that opportunity in the talent marketplace, we found the right person on the inside who had, now they were working full time. It's not like that they don't have other work to do. It's that they find capacity to do things where they're learning something, demonstrating a skill they have. People come to work because they want to contribute. They wake up every day wanting to be productive. That's the number one source of happiness at work is that you feel like you you did something. You you contributed to the world or your company or something in some way, or you learned something. So if we can tap that, we can tap that discretionary effort in the right ways. And not everybody has time to be in the marketplace. That's another thing. Not everybody's active on it all the time, but it works for itself. It finds the people, it finds you, you find things, and it all sort of allows real work to get done and to tap that capacity that's inevitably left on the table every day. So what would you say, you know, we've been talking about moving forward, but looking back so far, what has been your greatest accomplishment in your career? Greatest accomplishment, I have to say, putting something on a whiteboard and bringing it making it a commercial product is probably one of the things I'm most proud of. The second thing I'm most proud of is how many people I have been had the privilege to help along the way, find their passion, find their way into a career path. And it's, it's the guy at Gap that was in finance that got an opportunity to participate in onboarding training for employees And then that became his career (laughs) after volunteering. And, you know, these stories that happen over and over where people were in one part of the org and they found their gold somewhere, they found their passion. And it, it so inspires me when you see people light up and talk about their work and love their work. It's a fire in them that you're able to see and it's so bright off of them and it's contagious. If you have people around you that have that kind of energy and passion, it is contagious. And so I think the more that we can help people inside organizations find the vector between what they love to do and what the organization needs to get done, Mm -hmm. there is no stopping us, right? There's no stopping that organization from, from taking share, from higher margins, and ultimately very happy employees. Absolutely. Agree 100%. Um, Flip side, with a growth mindset, what has been your biggest failure or mistake in your career so far? And what did you learn from it? Taking the job for the wrong reasons. So it is the flip side of that coin. I think my grandfather told me something that was very wise. He said, do what you love and the money will follow you. So when you take shortcuts to things that aren't in your core value system. And you are the only person that knows that, right? When you take the job because you think it's more money and not you loved actually the other offer more, that catches up with you in the bad ways, right? However, when you take the scary assignment, you get a catapult moment. When you take the job that's really going to lean into your strengths and passions, you do exponentially better and promote faster. And so I think it's it's the check-in point in yourself 
to do the homework and and to know what you love and have the self-awareness that if I actually lean into my strengths and my passions, I'm going to be so much more successful. Yeah, 100%. Love that. Are there any trends that you're following in talent development that we did not talk about so far? Well, I think one of the the things that I'm watching for is this notion of workforce productivity. You know, I sit on a public technology board, Form Factor, based in Livermore. They're a semiconductor company, so they live and die by margin. So, you know, we spent a lot of time on the productivity of the workforce, obviously. And one of the things that's always bothered me is this revenue per head metric. So, you know, I love a challenge and the challenge is what's the next metric for workforce productivity and how do we really measure that holistically? Because that old school methodology, I think it's missing so many things as, as we break down jobs into work and work units and people contributing more broadly, how do we actually measure that inside of organizations? I'm actually going to be working with some students at a local university on this topic to see if we can crack it. And that's people higher than my pay grade, you know, mathematicians and statisticians and social data scientists and all kinds of things. And back to my point about talent architecting, knowing when you don't have the answer and how to go, go crowdsource it is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Last question for you, Kelly, for anyone out there listening in talent development or HR, looking for ways to accelerate their career, improve, be more successful. uh, What's one more piece of advice you would give? Go do something nonlinear. You know, I told you had a a jungle gym career. Go take an opportunity in somewhere else in the business, another function, something totally different because you will learn something that will be so valuable as you take that back into human resources. And very quickly, I took a a sidestep and that's how you progress instead of promote, right? Is I took a sidestep. I took a consulting gig at Roche uh, Genentech for about almost two years at one point between CHRO gigs. And it was a industry I'd never been in. It was a unicorn job where it's like, They know the outcomes they're looking for. They can't really put a title on it. So you just jump in and you bring your skill sets, your strengths to to solve the problem. It was by far the most pivotal gig I've ever done in, in my life because I came back to HR to disrupt it, to leave a professional legacy, to apply what I learned about innovation into human resources. And, you know, when you take a step on the wild side to something you've never done. I told you it's a catapult moment. And I was scared to death to go into biotech. I, I hadn't even consulted on biotech before. And I learned so much by just changing my focus for two years. It was one of the best things I've ever done. Awesome. Great advice. Love it. Um, we've talked a lot about getting out of our comfort zones, learning, trying new things, disrupting ourselves. Kelly, For anybody listening who wants to connect with you, learn more from you, where's the best place for them to go? Please uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive on that. Obviously, you can reach out to me at Here Technologies. I always say my inbox is my virtual door. It's always open. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear people's ideas. 
or even help them with their career. I'm so passionate about this. So yeah, please reach out to me. Inbox always open. Love that. The same uh, policy. And of course, we are recording this live on LinkedIn. Uh, So I'm a big fan of connecting with people on LinkedIn. If you're not connected with Kelly or me, make sure you connect with us. Kelly, this has been fantastic. The book, again, is called The Inside Gig, How Sharing Untapped Talent Across Boundaries Unleashes Organizational Capability. I know it's coming out uh, at the end of January, right? Well, it goes to print the end of January. You can pre-order it on Amazon right now, but it will be in bookstores end of March, early April. So um, it's a hardback book, but you can definitely put in a pre-order now. Awesome. Thank you again, Kelly. This has been fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much, Andy. It's great to be here. All right. Take care. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am always grateful for everyone who tunes in, who listens, who subscribes, and who have left reviews for our podcast on iTunes. By the way, if you haven't done that yet, it would mean the world to me. Head on over to iTunes, take one minute, write a quick review. It helps our podcast grow, and I really appreciate your support. As my gift to you, I have created a report of the top five trends impacting talent development this year. And if you haven't grabbed that report yet, you can head on over to advantageperformance.com slash trends. That's advantageperformance.com slash trends. You can download my report of the top five trends impacting talent development in 2019, as well as sign up for our newsletter to get updates on everything that is going on. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible, and we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.